like it's hard to think that you know Hong Kong has been kind of one of the freest places in the world like for anything for trade for visitors it's always been open um, and it's always been a place where people can just come and go as they leave and do as they please and suddenly it's like that's all changed um, literally overnight. I'm Danny Vallant and this is Dirty Linen the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. This week on Dirty Linen, we have been traveling the world and I am really excited today to land in one of my favorite food cities, Hong Kong. We're speaking to Janice Lung Hayes, a food writer, social entrepreneur, a farmer's market founder. Born in Melbourne, she's now based in Hong Kong, but she went through lockdown number one in New Zealand. And Janice, before we say hello to you, I'm going to dedicate this episode to Joe Moody, who introduced us and got you on board at short notice when my previous guest had an unforeseen event that made it impossible for them to join me. So Janice, thank you for stepping into the breach in Dirty Linen. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. Tell me a little bit about what's happening for you right now. So I got back to Hong Kong about... um, I want to say a month ago. I think it's a month ago. Um, So I was previously, I was in New Zealand um, from about Valentine's Day till um, a month ago. Um, And um, so we're thinking of, well, we are going to gradually move over to New Zealand. Um, So, you know, got a house and kind of got kind of our lives half started there. But then... um, then kind of realized, oh, we have to pack up a bit in Hong Kong and have to come back for work. So I came back um, with my husband and we both spent um, two weeks in quarantine, just home quarantine, but still two weeks. Um, And uh, yeah, so I've been out in the world again for about two weeks, but it feels like I mean, it, it feels, I don't know, time is, is, is so, it's such a relative construct now. <laughs> I don't know what it seems like. It seems like an age, but it also seems like yesterday. Absolutely. So what's your timeline? Like when are you thinking to move to New Zealand? Um, so I think for, for a while we've been sort of trying to um, kind of spend half the year in Hong Kong and half the year um, either in Australia, which uh, where we're both from, or um, now New Zealand. Um, but with travel becoming such a, such a hassle these days, um, it might not actually turn out that way. So it's all up in the air at the moment. We're just kind of keeping it really open. Um, you know, we're trying to sort out our lives so that we can just lock and leave whenever. Um, so yeah, probably in the next year or so, we'll be, we'll be trying to do that, um, depending on, you know, everything. It's so, I mean, it's such a crazy time in every single way but one of the I mean I know a number of people who are planning to move countries and those plans have been derailed by COVID it's so you know I think we've we've lived we've been so lucky in our lives in that we've been able to just create plans you know follow them through move countries travel to different cities and it's so confronting to have all these uh, have world circumstances throw these things in the air yeah I mean I think all my life I've kind of just moved whenever and kind of you know suitcase and go kind of person so it this is definitely really weird <laughs> to be grounded for so long and to not have like visited an airport for a while and and not kind of not planning my next trip or or you know yeah it's it, it is really 
really strange. But I mean, first world problems. I mean, there are there are <laughs> there are bigger problems in the world. But personally, that is a bit of a change of pace for me. Yeah, I mean, the last two trips I took. Uh, in fact, I was in Hong Kong with Rob Locke, my producer, on this show, and we had a fantastic time. We were flown over there to go to an Uber Eats conference. It was very freewheeling. There was no particular point in being there, but of course, I ate a million things and just wandered around and soaked it all up. And you know, the the, the protests were happening, so there was this sort of political charge to everything. You felt like you were sort of there. Um, at a particular moment in world history as well. But there was never any sense that I wouldn't be able to jet back home or jet back there. It was all, um, yeah, it was it was real, but it was kind of a, a curiosity and it never really occurred to me that my, my real life, the trajectory that, you know, not that I'm a big planner, but, you know, that I could choose my trajectory whenever I wanted. It's, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, the political stuff in Hong Kong is still going on, so we're definitely still living this history. Like every day, we wake up and there's some weird news about something else that's happened, and we're like, "Wow, our lives are like changed again." Like every every day, we wake up like this. Can't, there can't be some can't be anything worse than this and then we wake up and like yep something worse than this has just happened so <laughs> so yeah we're definitely living that that history right now <laughs> what's been happening in the last few days uh, so a few, about a week ago um apple daily which is a um, local chinese newspaper here um kind of known for their kind of pro-democratic um stance on things and um they were um they were searched and and just basically hundreds of police just arrived at their doorstep and kind of turned it upside down, um, took the founder with them. Um, I mean, he's since been released, but it's just, it's just really jarring to see hundreds of police people, like police men and women in, in a, um, in a newsroom, basically. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it- yeah, it's a strange, it's hard to, like it's hard to think that you know Hong Kong has been kind of one of the freest places in the world like for anything for trade for visitors it's always been open um, and it's always been a place where people can just come and go as they leave and do as they please and suddenly it's like that's all changed um, literally overnight and yeah <laughs> it's a it's a funny like scary thought yeah was it was the political situation part of what made you want to move to New Zealand or was it a, were you a going to be a climate refugee like what was your thinking there <laughs> uh, well actually we were um thinking it's actually this has been a long time coming so before all the protests actually I think um my husband and I just sort of thought that um we would we wanted to spend more time closer to family um, in? Well, I have family in Hong Kong, but his family is mostly in, New, uh, in uh, Australia. Um, and we also kind of after about 10, 12 years of our adult lives in Hong Kong, it's it's a really kind of cramped and fast paced city, which is great when you're in your kind of early twenties. Um, and now that we're not, um, we kind of crave the space and this fresh air and and um, you know 
going and just kind of seeing going out to a farm or something and um and we we just wanted we wanted that um like more and more we were finding that we were craving that so we decided that we would try and find a place to live um in either Australia or New Zealand. Um, yeah, so it, it's more, I guess it's a lifestyle thing, but I think work still, I'm still quite tethered to Hong Kong in terms of work. Um, I still, you know, write a lot about the city. Um, I mean, not so much recently, but <laughs> but I had been. Um, and yeah, so, so I think we were hoping to spend some time in each place and kind of have, get the best of both worlds, so to speak. Mm. Okay. Well, talk us through your experience over the last six months. You're in New Zealand during the first lockdown. Talk us, talk us through that. Yeah. So actually prior to that, I was in um, Japan and then in France. Um, so when I was in Japan, the virus had, we just heard from China that the virus, there was like a strange virus breaking out and people were, there were rumors um, saying, you know, oh, it's like SARS and SARS, you know, hit Hong Kong really badly. So we got a lot of news right away. Um, and so my husband was in Hong Kong um, alone um, and he um, he basically said, well, I think when you come back, like once you come back to Hong Kong, we, we probably have to um, let's go to New Zealand since we wanted to go and um, find a house to buy anyway. So we, we need that. We need that time. So why not maybe take advantage of the lockdown time and or like the sort of social distancing time and, and see if we can um, find um, our house there? So when I came back from Europe, um, I spent a week in Hong Kong, actually less like five days, just packing a random bag. I, I didn't know how long we were gonna we were gonna be in New Zealand. Um, I, I I think I had like three t-shirts and and like a couple of pairs of jeans or something and and a, and a jacket. Like it, it, like I had I was in the right mind. Like in that I I did have um I did have a jacket with me at least because <laughs> I did we did end up staying in New Zealand right through till July. So um, well into winter um, and we were in Dunedin on the South Island. So it really gets cold. Um, so I'm glad I brought that jacket with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we just, yeah, so we just, uh, that's it. And we, we just left and we got to, we got to Dunedin on, um, on Valentine's day. So mid February, um, and and just um, you know rented a place and uh, just started looking for a house. And we both work remotely, so it actually hadn't really been a problem work wise. But within about a month of uh, arriving in New Zealand, New Zealand got went into lockdown, um, like full lockdown, which none of, neither of us had ever experienced and Hong Kong has still never had a full lockdown. Um, so yeah, so it went to full dot lockdown. Um, everything was closed except for supermarkets, pharmacies, like really, really essential things. Um, so no restaurants, no cafes, no, none of that. Um, so, but I mean, it, I think during that time we were really grateful to, to have been in New Zealand because like, there's at least there's a bit of space. Um, you know, you have a garden to potter around. You can walk around the block. You can walk down to the beach. Like it's, it's um, not a not the worst place in the world to be locked down. Like we we felt really grateful that we were there. Um, and yeah, and then after I think about five weeks, um, 
uh, lockdown ended. And especially on the South Island, like things kind of went back to what seemed like normal, which was kind of odd. Um, I mean, everyone's lives just kind of went on as usual until I think like a week ago when New Zealand had new cases mm. again. So, yeah, they had over 100 days of of like no cases at all, which was amazing. Um, so actually the day I bought my ticket to come back to Hong Kong, and I had to do that because I had some work, I had committed to some work um, earlier on in the year. And at that point I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe it won't even happen. I'll just go to New Zealand now, who cares? So, <laughs> and then it, it, um, eventually reality kind of struck me and I realized I had to be back in Hong Kong for work. But the, literally the day I bought my ticket, uh, the, uh, Hong Kong had uh, a third wave. So, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, um, great luck I have there. Um, but yeah, so I bought my ticket and a couple of days later landed back in Hong Kong. Um, landing in Hong Kong was an interesting experience. Um, they ferry you right away to a testing center where you get tested and you wait for about 10, 12 hours until the test results come back out. And all that time, you you have an assigned seat in a giant exhibition hall. And um, everyone's, you know, one meter apart. You're not meant to move around too much. Um, they give you a horrible white bread sandwich, like, <laughs> in the middle of the day. Um, and that's that's about it. And just tell oh, you they wait. can't even have a yum cha trolley coming. They can't even have a yum cha trolley coming along. I know, right? I saw oh. the trolley come along and I was like, oh, I wonder what it is. And it was a sandwich. <laughs> it was a ham and cheese sandwich. It reminded me of, um, of school, like primary school. That's what my mom used to make me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so. But that is so amazing that you, so instead of two weeks hotel quarantine, uh, you sit in a hall for a day, get a white bread sandwich, get your test, get, they find out you're negative and then you just go out into the city, go about your life? Uh, no, so you have to stay at home. So you have to do home quarantine for two weeks. Um, they give you a bracelet that is that has a Bluetooth functionality and then they make you install an app on your phone. Yeah, and then um, they also test your phone number to make sure they can call you um, and that it works. So what happens is the, the app kind of buzzes you every so often to turn like turn the app on um, and then there's also people at like a special like a health department office and they'll they called me on the third or fourth day of my quarantine and they asked me to like take a photo of the band uh, the, the wristband on my hand to make sure I'm still wearing it um, and they ask a few questions like have you been out and you know uh, have you been in like have you been in contact with anyone else blah blah, blah. like that kind of stuff just to check that everything's okay and then on the yeah and on the 12th day so they, they send you home with another testing kit that you test uh, so you it's just a saliva test so you do it on the 12th day um so just before you leave and then you um you can organize for a courier to pick it up and then the courier will take it to a testing center and within so the, the day basically the day you're supposed to leave quarantine on the 14th day you get notified by the health department again that you're clear um, and if and you are clear you you can go um, you can you can leave quarantine so if you aren't of course then they'll they'll like send you to a, a quarantine center or a hospital or something like that so yeah that's that's how it's done in Hong Kong it sounds like a pretty amazing efficient system where people just really put their thinking caps on and I guess there's 
yeah, they just thought, well, it, people just need to abide by these rules. These are the rules. This they need to take a photo. You know, yeah, it's just yeah, pretty practical. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to game the system, you could, but I think it relies on people just kind of knowing that that's the right thing to do. Um, and I mean, the Hong Kong government, I mean, they've done, they've made some strange decisions um, in like in the past kind of, you know, six months or so, but this quarantine thing and the arrivals um, kind of process is about, I think, as painless as, as it can be. Um, and yeah, I think I, I, I can't, I'm like, can't really complain. Um, I, so I opted to actually, instead of staying in my own house, I opted to stay at my parents because they have a spare bedroom. Um, and it was great because my, my parents just cooked for me all throughout because you obviously you can't during quarantine you can't go out and do shopping or anything like that so um it was like staying at like the best b&b ever <laughs> amazing that's yeah that sounds very good but so now that you're back out in hong kong world what is it like there i just i just can't conceive of hong kong without being bustling yeah, I mean, in people, so there's never been like a full lockdown in Hong Kong because it's just, I think it's just too difficult. Um, houses here, you might know, are, are really small and some people don't even have, their, like they subdivide apartments and things. So it's, it's um, yeah, so they haven't done a full lockdown, but they've closed restaurants and bars um, for the uh for nighttime um like for basically you can't dine in um at night you can do takeaways okay um but the restaurants are still open at lunchtime because a lot of people um can't work from home like for example construction workers or um people in other service industries or you know for public transport and things like that so um it's funny because the i was saying the hong kong government has made some bad decisions so Actually, one of them was that they wanted to close restaurants at lunch as well. And they had to reverse that within a day because on like it only took a day to for, to the, for the media to find that there were tons and tons of people who can't work from home and who who ha are still like they have to go to work. Um, and they were forced to because restaurants were closed, they were forced to eat in the strangest of places like at public toilets, um, benches at the park when it was raining, um, just staircase, random staircases, um, just like at the front of the restaurant, just on a, on, on the sidewalk. Um, just, yeah, really. And, and, you know, these people, are, they, they obviously they're working hard. For Hong Kong, you know, often they're very essential workers, like construction and things like that, and um, and and like sanitation offices. And yeah, I think immediately, um, you know, media, the media reports told the government that that was just not going to work. Like you have to at least offer. Um, daytime service of some sort, like even if it's um, if it's socially distanced. Um, so they reversed it within a day, um, and that's still been going on. So that's probably been three or four weeks now of that. How are cases going in Hong Kong? Um, so we had a third wave um, when I arrived back in Hong Kong, basically, where we were getting over a hundred new cases per day, and um, that were not entirely traceable so that that was when the um the restaurant restrictions and things started as well so now we're back down i haven't checked today actually but i think we're back down to about 30 new cases um 
a day. I think a couple of days ago it was 30 new cases. So it has, I mean, I think the social distancing um, has worked to an extent. Um, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully it will keep going down. But, but definitely, um, I mean, restaurants are definitely suffering, um, as a lot of industries are, but I think especially because restaurants and bars were, were really the only ones that were targeted for a, a shutdown. Um, and, yeah, I think it's it's been quite – and there's been a lot of news about how landlords haven't been able to or haven't have decided not to decrease their rents um, and also the government's support um, – Funding for restaurants has been quite low um, or none at all. Um, and wage subsidies, I mean, they've just announced that they will do another round of wage subsidies now. Um, so hopefully that will help things a little bit. But definitely, um, yeah, definitely the restaurants and bars are, are hanging on by a thread, if, if not already closed. Well, you've done something quite spectacular to help restaurants. Do you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say spectacular. It's just, it's just something we thought we would do. Um, so, um, so myself, um, Charmaine Mock, who is um, with Hong Kong Tatla, um, she's the editorial director of Food and Wine there, and then um, Victoria Chow, who is um, who used to own a bar um, and does a lot of um, beverage consulting in Hong Kong. So, us three, we decided that we would create a um, recipe book um, from with recipes from some of Hong Kong's um, kind of favorite restaurants. Um, and we uh, so we helped put together this book. Um, Victoria went around Hong Kong in the sordid heat and, and took photos of everyone in like four days. Um, and yeah, so we put together this uh, recipe book um, and it's now uh, we're doing pre-sales. It's at the printers right now. So we're really excited um, to get our hands on the hard copy. Um, yeah, so it's coming out, should come back from the printers early September. So we just started our pre-sales on Monday. Actually, was it yesterday or Monday? I mean, I really, I'm so bad with time already and this has just made it worse. Um, <laughs> a couple of days ago, I think, um, we started our pre-sale and we sold out of our first batch for pre-sale um, within, within a few hours of announcing it. So, um, like Hong Kongers have been so amazing and people who love Hong Kong actually have been so amazing at supporting this. So the all the funds um, for this book will go back to the contributing restaurants. I mean, it won't be a lot, um, to be honest. I mean, books don't I, – I don't think I'm the first person to say that publishing doesn't make a lot of money. <laughs> but um, but I think it's something that we, we just wanted to do something to kind of lift everyone's spirits and and um, and have everyone, you know, celebrate how great the dining scene is here and how important it is to the culture. And it's like – uh, eating out is 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 a national sport. Like we we talk about it nonstop. We we eat out so much usually. Um, it's such an important part of the fabric of Hong Kong. So um, so yeah, we really wanted to do something to really to really celebrate that. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it has lifted people's spirits, and I think it's um, it's such a destabilizing time for everybody. But I think for restaurant people and for people who love restaurants, I mean, I think I, I really had a moment tonight because I got uh, sent some food from Flower Drum, which you know I'm so grateful for, and I was it was some 
some fried rice and I put it in the pan to heat it up and I was stirring it and it was so fragrant. I'm going to cry as I talk about it because it was so fragrant and it really took me back to that beautiful dining room. And it was actually, it was my stepson's birthday on March 5 and I think we celebrated on March 7. So it was one of my last meals in a restaurant before Melbourne shut down. Um, and you could feel something because, I mean, the Flower Drum's a spacious restaurant, you know, fine dining Cantonese in Melbourne, been there for four decades or something. Um, and, you know, it's spacious, you know, this, the distancing sort of stuff wasn't a problem, but the waiters were wearing gloves to plate some dishes and there was a bit of an edge and, you know, it was a special family occasion, but there was something even more charged about it. And one of the beautiful waiters, Barney, played it up food for us you know just with such elegance and grace and amazing sense of timing and when I was stirring this fried rice in my pan at home tonight and smelling that flower drum art science culture history just uh, hospitality it really was almost too much and I was like I so appreciated the food and I so appreciated the care that went into it but I did not want to be standing in my own kitchen at home in my stupid slides and my clothes that I've been wearing for six weeks <laughs> like it's not what I want I wanted to be dressed up and on the you know there with that plush carpet with Barney with his name tag just you know looking after us and I just yeah I miss restaurants so much um but yeah Janice for people who don't know Hong Kong and aren't um immersed in the food scene there like you are can you just tell us why it's so special and what you love about it so oh where do I begin um so Hong Kong um I mean I think historically Hong Kong has always been a melting pot um it it has been like an international trading port since it was it was founded basically um around 200 years ago um so we've just had so many different influences throughout the years and and so many different ingredients come in um and people as well um all kind of adding and you know when people what moves with people is, you know, their cuisines, their culture. And and Hong Kong has just been um, a place that was always really open to all of these things. And and also when people meet um, from different cultures, like new things happen. So we have we have I don't know, our really kind of local Hong Kong food is I would consider actually not dim sum because um, dim sum comes from um, Guangdong, Guangdong, which is just north of us. I mean, we're very close to them, of course, and that's still a big part of what we do. But but one of the things that really says Hong Kong to me is is milk tea. So milk tea is, is mm. modelled after like how the British drink tea. So you have your black tea and some milk. Um, Hong Kongers um, wanted a super strong version of that. So we still use black tea, um, Ceylon tea, but we use like a bucket, like people um, in the local cafes, local diners here, they brew it by the bucket. And the the um, the the uh, tea leaves are in this giant sack, um, and it's just like a kilo of tea leaves and a giant pot of water, um, and it's super strong. And we drink it with canned um, con- uh, sorry, condensed milk. So condensed milk was brought in um, from you know the trading ports basically, like when the British started 
putting milk into cans. Um, and it's not sweetened. It's not pre-sweetened. Um, so it's a really thick milk. Um, and so the whole thing is like tannic. It's bitter, but it's also really smooth and has creaminess to it. That to me is like the quintessential Hong Kong icon because it just explains like how things just arrived and changed um, and how it's like before before coffee became a thing in Hong Kong, everyone would, would have milk tea in the mornings. That was that was everyone like that was the thing. You would just drop by your local cafe, pick up a, a bun, like a soft roll, which is also the result of cultures coming together so like it's like a bow but it's baked um and then you know you get your milk tea and off you go um into your day so um yeah Ah, yeah yeah. so nowadays i mean apart that's our kind of really you know down home local food um and then we have chefs coming from all around the world um to hong kong because it's a important business center so we get um lots of like high-end dining um that is of really really good quality um and kind of in the past sort of 10 years or so um a lot of a younger generation of chefs have really challenged the status quo and sort of gone, okay, well, you know, we can import everything from France, but what if, what if we also use some local produce in and with our sort of classical Western techniques, um, what would become of that? And, and that kind of, the, the whole new genre was again created. So it's just, it's just happening all the time, all of this, all of these things. And um, it's just really, I think people in Hong Kong also eat out a lot um, because our ha- homes are really small. So our kitchens are tiny and it's just easier to meet friends outside. It's easier to, um, to, to eat outside in general. Um, instead of dinner parties at home, we just meet out for dinner. Maybe there's a lot of places with private rooms or really large tables and you can do that. Like, it's it's just a we just eat out a lot (laughs) and we love to talk about where you know where we've been and and you know and where's you know where's doing something interesting and new and um yeah it's it's just really part of our a big part of our lives I don't know if it's I don't think it's because I'm obsessed with food but I feel like you could talk to you could stop anyone in Hong Kong in the street and start talking about food and you could just stand there for an hour and they would say, no, not there. You've got to get it from there. And no, not this, but you've got to have that. No, it's not the right week to eat this. You've got to, it's not good yet. You've got to wait for two weeks and eat it then. Like it's just, it, everyone's very opinionated. Yeah. It's just, it's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine Hong Kong not being like that? Can you imagine like a, a COVID Hong Kong where people are not always eating and always obsessed? I mean, even in COVID Hong Kong, I think people are still talking about food. I think there's something like most, most of the people in Hong Kong are Cantonese, Chinese. And there's something in our culture that is very, I mean, we see food as as well being. It's it's not. It's like it's just what you have. You have to do it. It's not. It's not an option. And and eating well is also like not an option. It's like if you can, you definitely. It's you, it's a no brainer. Like if you if you can eat well, if you can eat things that nourish your body, and you know, and are super tasty. Like why not do it? It it's just it doesn't make sense to a to a Hong Konger to say, oh, I'm just gonna. You know, I'm just gonna um, wolf this down because I'm really hungry right now. 
like, no, you should choose something that <laughs> is good for you and is tasty and wait like three more minutes and you can have a great meal. Um, it's just, I think people in Hong Kong, even now, um, even though we're in sort of this partial semi-lockdown, um, people are still trying to go out in a in the safest um, way possible to go out for lunch um, or they're trying to cook more at home, ordering from local farmers. Um, so farmers now, it, because farmers markets are obviously closed, um, a lot of farmers are able to deliver to your house. So um, some people are choosing that option. Um, and yeah, and like, Kind of people are talking about cooking a bit more, which warms my heart really. But because <laughs> we do eat out way too much, and people, some people just don't have never even boiled a pot of water. Um, but yeah, there are people trying to cook a bit more. Um, we're still talking about, you know, we're talking about food, but it's a little different. It's like, oh, where do you order your vegetables from now? Or where are you getting these like delicious Taiwanese noodles? <laughs> Um, so we're talking about where people are sourcing things now, which is an interesting conversation as well. Um, and But it's always, always about food. I love it. So um, Janice, what are you going to eat when you, are you settling down near Dunedin? Is that where you've bought your New Zealand place? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's where, that's where we've bought. Yeah. And so what are you excited about eating in New Zealand? Oh, well, the produce in Otago is just amazing. They have a, um, so Dunedin has a really great farmer's market that um, everything is local. Everything's from the Otago region. So you have everything from eggs to vegetables, of course, to people who make um, juices and olive oil. I, I mean, I had no idea they could make olive oil down there. It's so cold, <laughs> but they do and it's amazing. Um, yeah, and like hazelnuts and the fruit, like the berries are just mind-blowing. Um, the produce is just like is stellar. Um, and so I, when I was there, I cooked a lot more, um, but also because I had a much bigger kitchen, it was just a, such a joy. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, there's some great um, cafes and restaurants popping up now. Um, so Dunedin's a smallish city, but um, I think – in the past few years since we've been visiting, we've just noticed that every time we've gone back, there's new cafes and restaurants and and people are really proud of their local um, produce and heritage. And I think that's that's something that, you know, that's the foundations for, a, for an excellent food scene. So I think it's, it's definitely up and coming. Yeah. Well, well, Janice, I really hope that the world comes to a place where you can spend a few months in Hong Kong and a few months in Dunedin, you can jet between them whenever you want without being masked and gloved and worried. Uh, but <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing your very unique perspective with us today on Dirty Linen. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope everyone can travel soon too. <laughs> we are, this new world should be for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a deep.
deepen the weight's production.